Welcome to Unstuck AF, a podcast here to help you do you better. There's a path that starts where you are, passes through who you are, and leads where you want to go. We're here to hear from people who've walked that path or who are walking it right now. This is Orlando Bishop, Coach Orlando, and I thank you for listening as we learn how to get unstuck, how to be unstuck, how to live unstuck. Unstuck as fuck. Welcome to Unstuck AF, and I want you to know that today you're going to get to hear from one of the early champions of this system and the way we do things around here and what she has gone on to do, which we will touch on with uh, what she built with the Alliance system is nothing short of amazing. And uh, you saw that another one of your authors has a a book on the way, so it was a very very please look at that look at that see we're getting we'll get into all of that everyone this, this is my friend sharice fisher we have been friends since college so great 10 years and uh <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right that's right they can't prove it they can't prove different <laughs> and i just uh there's so many things you could come and speak on and the experiences you've had and we'll touch on them but we we had some conversations around the topic of grief. And I wanted to take a, a special angle because of the conversation we had and ask how and or when did you know that travel was going to be a part of your grieving process? So I'm gonna give you a moment to think about that. We'll be right back to pick up where Sharice is answering. Ready to light that fire by doing the things that make you come alive? Welcome to Health Raisers, a podcast for wise women. I'm your host, Dr. Nadine. I left a soul-crushing medical career full of bad news and evolved into a joyful health integration coach, helping hundreds of women find their healthy. You're more than your dress size. Stop putting up with toxic relationships, swallowing your true emotions, and sacrificing your mental health. Stop using your body as a battlefield. You're always giving. You deserve to put yourself first, not just for your sake, but for those you love. Wise women, let's make ourselves a priority right now. It's time to raise some health together. If you're ready to take the first step, visit npkhealthintegration.com and take the free questionnaire to assess where you are in your health journey right now. And if you're ready to take a bolder step into possibility with your health journey, email me at npk at npkhealthintegration.com to learn more about classes and coaching. That is such a good question. 
when did I know or believe or think that it was going to be part of my process? I don't know if I consciously ever thought that. I thought, I think, I think that the travel became this surprise relief, this surprise bomb, and the way in which I traveled. So mm. let me back up a little bit. Let me back up a little bit and say that uh, my college roommate also, been with her for 10 years, mm -hmm. uh, my college roommate and I um, had been, well, let's start here. When she was, when she was turning 40, we all turned 40 at mm -hmm. the same time. And she did not know what to do for her 40th birthday. I said, we have to do something. It's 40. Like that right. was a really big deal. Yeah, it's a big one. We have to do <laughs> we have to do something. So she said, Well, I mean, you know, she lives in Co-op City, which is in the Bronx, New mm -hmm. York. And right near her was um Orchard Beach. Mm -hmm. Sometimes some people call it the Dominican Rivera. I don't know. Um, but it's like the local beach. <laughs> I love Literally, it. you know, she can ride her bicycle there. She's like, Well, we can go there first thing in the morning and watch the sunrise. Oh. So I was like, okay, let's do that. You know, that felt like it was something to do to celebrate this birthday. So she, her mom and I, I went and I got balloons the first year and cupcakes. Okay. And we hustled out to the beach. This is June 6th. So the beach isn't officially open uh, during the week. Mm -hmm. So it was completely empty. And we just sat on the beach and we vibed, right? Mm. So we would do this every year. And, and one year, the first year I brought balloons and cupcakes. The next year I brought balloons, cupcakes, and sushi. The fourth year we brought some fried chicken. Like, you know, it just turned into this it thing. It kept going, Most right? of the time it was just the three of us, Stephanie, her mom, and I. Sometimes it was a weekend. And so my kids came, you know. And hmm. So it, that was how we celebrated the birthday. I think it was around 43 or 44, maybe 45, mm -hmm. that I said to her, you know, for our 50th, which at the time was like right. far right. in the distance. Right, right. Way over there. I was like, we need to upgrade the beach. <laughs> I love it. No disrespect. You're like, this is cool. Yeah, this is cool and all. Right. I got it. I got it. I got you. I got you. No disrespect to Orchard Beach. Like you don't go to the water in Orchard Beach. Like, you know, you go to the you go right. You sit on the sand, you vibe, right? There's some left Latin music playing in the background. You know what I mean? You vibe. Mm -hmm. You're not swimming. You know, you're not right. actually going into the water. Anyway, so I think around 48, which is when I think it was during the pandemic. Either it was during the pandemic or just before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. She said, I think I know what beach we should go to when I turn 50, when we turn 50. Mm. And I said, you know, now, you know, I'm thinking we're going to Miami. I'm thinking maybe we're going to go to Jamaica. I'm islands, thinking right, 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 right. the islands, right? Being an island girl myself. <laughs> he says, Kenya. I said, Kenya, Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she's like, well, we've seen the Atlantic Ocean. We've seen the Pacific Ocean. We've mm. obviously, you've obviously seen the Caribbean Ocean. We've never seen the Indian Ocean. And apparently, mm. the most beautiful place to see the Indian Ocean is um, Tanzania and Kenya. So that's where Kenya came from. Mm -hmm. And I literally was just like, well, since I don't open my mouth and suggested this, <laughs> upgrading the beach, I'm going to just play along. Right, right, right. So, yeah, so that's what 
so so that's what we figured out to do and, and we looked at various uh trips and as it turned out we ended up going to tanzania and she's like well if we're going all the way to tanzania let's go on safari i was like oh okay you know, i was just game we're doing it now we're, do we're here now we're just doing it we're here we're doing it now during this time my father became more and more ill he had a stroke i think in 2018 mm. um which he recovered from pretty well how interesting it just occurred to me he recovered from his stroke in 2018 and i resolved in my mind that we would all go to Montserrat, which is the island where we're from mm. so again here's like travel part one actually Mm. Um, I resolved in my mind that we would go to Montserrat and he was like, I'm too ill, I'm too this, I'm too that. My really? um, passport isn't updated, blah, blah, blah. Because, you hmm. know, he had the stroke, he recovered, but I had no idea that there was dementia happening, really. Uh, now I'm super sensitive about dementia, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the dementia was slowly coming about him. And I don't quite know what my inspiration was about going to Montserrat. I knew that he wasn't doing great, but I didn't have the sense of like his imminent death, none of that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I uh, sold his house, you know, he gave me power of attorney. He's like, just handle my life. Um, I sold his house, which is a longer story. And so we had like a little bit of cash. And so I was like, let's go to Montserrat. So mm -hmm. we, we went to Montserrat in 2019 in the summer and I took the girls and I'm so grateful I did because it was there where I really wasn't living with me. I would visit him every day when mm -hmm. he was having a stroke and I took care of him, got his medication, made sure he ate every day. That was the first time that I was actually living in a house with him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while he was there, he was very, he, would, he saw his two best friends. They came over, they spent time. Mm -hmm. Like he was hesitant to get out of bed. When mm -hmm. I went in there in the morning, he <clears throat> just did not know where he was. And he Anyway, so we had this yeah. trip. It was a beautiful trip. It was a, a bittersweet trip. And I knew in that moment, oh, this is the last time he's going to be here. The last time he's going to be in the island. So flash forward to the fall of 2019. We go to Montserrat in the summer of 2019. In the fall of 2019, he moves in with me. He has another stroke. It's clearly dementia now. Right. I think that like at some point in 2020, I think a nurse came to the house. Well, I think some point in 2020, I would have, I'd go in in the morning, he's diabetic, he's diabetic, so I would check blood sugar, feed him breakfast, etc. But good morning, daddy. And he looked at me like, what's mm -hmm. wrong? And I was like, good morning, daddy. He's like, mm -hmm. why are you calling me that? Wow. And I was like, hmm. Well, because you're my daddy. Right. Like, oh. I said, what do you call me? Mm. And let me tell you something. Dementia will make you extra smart, right? Because you're going to, like, be creative, you right. know? So he Figure was, like, out what he should don't say. play games with me. Right? Like, he was like, girl, don't play games with me this morning. And I was like, you don't know who I am? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I realized. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. And, uh, but a nurse came in maybe a couple months after that and said, do you know what, who this young lady is? And he said, I don't. Mm. He admitted, I don't know who she is, but I'm pretty sure she's family. Mm. You know, 
anyway, mm-hmm. 2020, 2021, 2022, the grand year of the 50 is like approaching. Right. And um, I had not a clue as to how we were going to pay for this very expensive vacation. I am not a person who takes vacation. Okay. I am actually quite a homebody. Okay. Is there, you know, is there a be, story behind you not being one for vacations or is it just you're a homebody and so that's just part of that? You no, know, I think that it's growing up in a working class family, a working class immigrant family, right? Yeah. So if my parents went away anywhere, we went months back. Oh, I mean, right. I certainly traveled from a very, very young age back and forth to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, vacation. Like, yeah. didn't do vacation because it seemed there was always this sense of we don't have money to do that mm-hmm. if we can scrape a few pennies together you're going to go and see your grandmother you know um, mm-hmm. now of course I realize that that is a real lack mentality and I'm glad that I have shed that right mm-hmm. but I was not in the habit I was in the habit of you go to work and you work right. that's it you know and to just go somewhere and sit down like, like what, what is that, that? You know? right, right. So if I ever traveled, I went to Italy for a wedding. I went to Cyprus for a wedding. Like it was a reason why I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and my uh, and so the reason was definitely being like, let's that's this is where we're gonna go. And I was like, okay, you right, know. Right. Interestingly enough, the only times I do remember often traveling with my father. Hmm. When I was around 11 or 12, he took me to England. I'll tell that, I'll tell a story about that trip. Yeah. Probably later on in this conversation, but he took me to England by myself. When I was about 11 or 12, he took me to Florida when I was big and grown, like I was probably around 32. Um, He took me to Florida to visit his sister and he took me to England to visit his cousins. and I remember when I was divorced with one of those husbands. I think. Uh uh-uh. uh. You're not going to start with me today. We are not here for silliness. No. You can tell that part of the story when you get ready, too. But let's stay with your father. So somebody somebody was getting their walking papers. All right. Then what? But my father was a man who loved women. Mm hmm. And he was one of the men who flew you out. He flew you out. So I remember when I was telling him, you know, Daddy, I'm not so sure about this husband. He's like, I'm not sure about him either because he's never even taken you on vacation. Like, Daddy was like, you're supposed to take your woman away. Like, <laughs> so he's like, I mean, I, mean, I had my doubts. I had my doubts already. I had my doubts about it. Like, y'all didn't even go on any trips. You know, anyway. Um, I, as it turned out, it was time for us, like we had sort of formed the vacation. We were choosing between one option, option A and option B. I think mm-hmm. there was like $4,000 difference between option A and option B. Okay. And um, I was like, child, where are we going? But, you know, somehow we're going to get this one. And as I was sitting having lunch with a friend who ended up going with us, mm-hmm. I got a text message from my partner, Wendy Sherman. And she said, she sent me a text that said, so our trust account just got hit with a big amount of money, like 
a big amount of money. Mm. And I think it's royalties for one of your books. And I was like, Is that right? <laughs> I love it. You have a sense of like, it was a New York Times bestseller. Mm -hmm. Let's just bring it out. Come it was on. a New York Times bestseller, Seven Days in June. Um, I remember but, you talking to me about Tia. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a New York Times bestseller, and you get royalties twice a year. But the way that that particular company does it, like you'll get the money and then you'll get the royalty statement afterwards because they're two different parts of the publishing company. Got it. Anyway, so she wasn't really sure, but she thought that it was. And I was like, whoa. And when I got home, like we figured out, yeah, no, that's it. We got the royalty statement confirming that was it. And that literal check took me to Africa. Wow. Paid for my flight, the hotel, everything. Wow. That one check. And and so it was there. So it was like this gift. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saying this part of the story um, because I think that there were a lot of things that were working outside of my logical mind. There were mm. things that were working divinely. There were things that the universe were putting into order. Mm. For me to take this trip. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I do. And that was one of them. Literally, mm -hmm. I was like, well, I gotta come up with this money by February. I don't know. You right. know? From somewhere. I, right? need, I mean, I might do a whole stroll a couple of nights. I don't know what I need to do. Did I tell you we're not doing this today? Did I say that? Did I say that? <laughs> you did not say a whole stroll. <laughs> my daughter, my 14 year old, is like, Mommy, you know, they see sell pictures of your feet on the internet. I mean, we were just trying <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> she was like, long as we brainstorming, I have heard some <laughs> things. <laughs> I've got them feet on the internet. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. So, so luckily, yeah. nobody had to stroll or sell foot no, pictures. No strolling and no foot pictures. Okay. This this check came and, you know, we can talk about this business that I started seven, eight years ago mm -hmm. when I was with Align, right? And a lot of what we talked about was the why that we want to do things, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And we talked about the vision for the future mm -hmm. and we talked about a library of books that I could talk about, right? And, and, and look so, at it. Yeah. I mean, the real library is in front of the computer, but yeah. these are the it's just, uh, that was just so like, ooh, okay, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you, universe. This is really supposed to happen. So at that point, we had hospice nurses mm. who came to the apartment every week to check my father's vitals. And I had uh, aides who came every day to bathe him and to help him, which was such a, like, in the height of the pandemic, I wouldn't let anybody into yeah. the house. So I did everything on my own. Mm -hmm. And then when I was able to bring other people in, it was such a relief. Yeah. Such a relief. Um, so the hospice nurses came in. And, and one of the things with hospice is they have what is called respite. Mm -hmm. So for a week, your loved one, will, they will take your loved one to a nursing home for a week to give you, the caretaker, a, a break. Oh, so actually, I'm I'm gonna I just want to pause you there if it's okay because I think for those of us and I and it's truly us who have not 
been in the position you're right now describing, right? Like it's one thing you have children and that's a certain dynamic. There's a totally different dynamic we're talking about here. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that piece of this journey. Like what, what was, what was there for you to need a respite from, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my father's dementia had developed in such a way Mm -hmm. that he was unable to feed himself. Mm. He was unable to get to the bathroom. He was unable to bathe himself. Mm. So in those early days before I had any help job, I would just be like struggling, you know, to lift him up, to Mm. feed him, to make him stand up so I could take his diapers off the child. I don't know. Was I talking to you about this? Mm. Where I was just like, I saw, I remember feeling when yeah. he first started getting sick, I was like, oh, well, one thing I know I'm not going to do is be up in his diapers. I want to see none of my father's scene. By the end of it, I was like, this penis is like unmoved, right? Unmoved, right? right. Like, it, it's amazing when you set your mind mm-hmm. to do a certain thing and when you set your mind to take care of something. You know, you always think about what you're not going to do, and then mm. time passes and mm. you do it because mm-hmm. it's the next thing to do. It's like stages. Right, right. Even as he was getting close to death, like it's literally stages mm. of death. Death for some of us is going to be very quick. Like, right. here I am stepping into the street and here's a bus, right? right? Um, but there's also the type of death that is staged and the hospice nurses who were so like hats off to them mm. to just explain to me, well, this might happen and then oh, this wow. might happen and then this might happen. I remember the day that he died, like the weekend he died, everybody kind of knew, the nurses mm-hmm. knew they were telling me it just so happened that I was in the house alone at the time. I don't think I really was supposed to be, but mm. I remember thinking, in those weeks leading up to his death, like, where am I going to be? How am I going to be? I felt like there was this, hmm. um, I felt like there was this responsibility. There was the role that I was supposed to play mm-hmm. in helping him transition to the other side. Gotcha. You know? And I remember feeling like, am I going to be prepared for this? What is this going to be? What is that going to be? Just trying to be in my mind. I was so in my mind about what this looks like. And in that way, Mm. you know, my father's death has really very meaningful parallels to my children's birth. Because again, you know, when you're a pregnant woman, Mm -hmm. I think we're supposed to say person. Let me not start up here on your podcast. (laughs) When you are a pregnant person. You get me canceled, we're gonna have a problem. When you're a pregnant person, right, right, you have this baby inside of you and there's a stomach growing and there's certain aches and pains and you and the doctor be measuring you and then they open up your whole leg and they look mm-hmm. up in the cervix and they tell you this that about your dilation and all those things. Mm-hmm. And so there are stages of delivering a baby mm-hmm. that in the moment of having a baby are right there. But mm-hmm. in like the weeks leading up to the baby, the days leading up to the baby, there's also these stages, right? And, but the magic minute, Mm. 
of birth and the magic minute of death. Mm. Don't know. It is the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember that last weekend. I remember the, the hospice mm. nurse telling me, you should count his breaths, count his chest going up. You know, and if you're counting his breaths and they're more than, I'm not going to remember, so let me not give no, no numbers. Right, but there was right. a certain number of breaths that I had to count. And if it was higher than those breaths, mm -hmm. then I was to give him a little bit of more. Mm. Um, because he was in distress. You know, death is something that your body actually fights. Right. right. So if he was breathing in this kind of labored way, mm -hmm. then I was to give him some morphine to make it ease. And then from that point forward, the breaths would get slower and slower and slower. Wow. Yeah. So I would have to give him morphine if his breathing got too high because it mm -hmm. meant that his body was in distress. Mm -hmm. Because the body is designed to fight death. And mm -hmm. after the morphine, then his breath would get slower and slower and slower until they stopped. Right. So, yeah, that's what it means to have, be in hospice. That's what it means to be basically a death doula, which is what I was. Wow. You know, at the time, I remember being very, I, I, I was checking on him. You know, he had his oxygen machine. There was, a, he was bed bound. And so there was a, there was like a special um, pipe contraption on his bed that made airflow constant. He had an air flowing mm. pad on his bed. But his skin had just his skin had been lovely. Though mm. so I had a Jamaican woman took care of him, honey. She used to wash him up and rub him down with that sleeve. You know how like you rub down babies and yeah, they're all greasy. Yeah. People probably don't do that anymore. But you and I the last We know, we know, yeah, I was gonna say we know of this. We know of this, yes. Just shiny for no reason and greasy. <laughs> Right. Um, so his skin was beautiful, but in those mm. last weeks, his skin is deteriorating. So while this is happening, I am determined to continue on this trip. Mm. And I, you know, there was never a question that I wasn't going to go. Mm -hmm. um, and so with the hospice nurses, we were arranging for the respite for him to be um, in a nursing home while I was away. Mm. I now understand actually very, I understand this. I don't know this, right? So there's a right. difference. Yeah. I feel in my body that daddy was like, nursing home? For what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. I think he was just like, check out now. Because I ain't trying to go no nursing home. Yeah. And I want baby girl, whoever this girl is. <laughs> I mean, whoever this girl is. That's Although great. he did propose to me, like the <laughs> last thing, I, the last words I remember him saying. I told you, my father liked women. Yeah, so he's like, well, um, she's cute. <laughs> she seems to be awfully interested in me. <laughs> and he was just like, "There you are." He's like, "I was just thinking about you." I said, "Were you?" He said, "Yes." And I said, "You know, if I see that girl again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell her that I think we should get married." And I was like. <laughs> don't you think we should get married and I was like well but I'm your daughter mm. and I don't, 
daughters are allowed to marry their father. Right. Let me right. tell you. Let me just give anybody who's listening to this some advice about dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's. Don't mm-hmm. argue with them. I was going to ask that. I was going to say, how much do you say, no, 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 that's not right. Yeah. Okay. No, no mm-hmm. roll with it. If mm-hmm. you walk in and he's just like, where did you come from? And I was like, I don't know. I said, where are we today? He was like, well, we're in Albany. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Just right. roll with it. Because constantly telling them that they're not remembering, that they already said it, that you're not who I am, you know, correcting them is yeah. stressful. Mm. and stressful so here's daddy saying i think we should get married and i said well but i'm your daughter are we allowed to get married mm. and he's like you're my daughter it's like oh no if you're my daughter it's off then no right right <laughs> it's off i like i like it's off i hate to break this to you sweetie because i can tell <laughs> you like me but you're my daughter so <laughs> he's like yes you're not you're not allowed to marry your daughter right um right. But I think that in his mind, he was like, nah. He was completely nonverbal. Yeah. But these are conversations that I'm having with nurses over his head, right? Yeah, right. So he was like... Yeah, nah. I think he just decided to check out. Um, And I think that he wanted me to have a trip. Mm. Wanted me to go and have a great trip, free of any worry and concern because I yeah. was sort of I, I told my mother mm-hmm. that I was going I told my mother late child because <laughs> Daidi my mother my darling mother when it was like she, you know that whole thing about not taking vacation pinching the pennies that right, is right, sure right. Diana okay so okay. she would have been like you're gonna, gonna do what you know right, so right. I was like let me just what is get time to, to the go? very end of the situation before I tell her this Anyway, when I told her that I was leaving, she said, well, I suppose you need a break. She says, but before you go, we are going to plan your father's entire funeral. It is going to be planned and paid for before you leave. And we did. Like maybe Mm. six weeks before he died, Mm -hmm. we did. We went there, spent the day, picked out the casket, the flowers, the program. Every single detail was done because she was just like, just in case. Right. Now, I guess so I'm going to ask these together and you answer. So one is there's a lot of process you're talking me through. And I know that in some ways that's you. Right. And then, frankly, uh, you know, that's a lot of the women I've known in my lifetime. They're like, there's things that's got to get done. Right. And I get that part. (laughs) But you were also a daughter who was processing the decline of her father and 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 dealing with details of like this impending moment you said the magic moment you don't know when it's going to be i guess i'm wanting to 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 hear a little bit about that and and even as you were caretaking i mean again you know you mentioned the morphine and how much breathing but Yes, though that's the mechanics of it, but yeah, there's a yeah, there's yeah. a life underneath that that I'm wondering about. Yeah, I think that's a very good question. Um, I think there's a period of time when I was his caretaker that I was not his father. I couldn't be both. 
There was a period early on in the caretaking. I mean, I'm in the role as a caretaker because I'm his daughter, period, right? Right, right. But there was a period of time I remember being really frustrated with my siblings who were really absent through all of this. Mm. And I remember being really frustrated with them. And I said to somebody, mm. I mean, he has two kids who are not even paying attention to this. Mm. You know? And it was like I didn't count him, count myself as his child. I think I was absolutely in caretaker mode and not in daughter mode. There were pockets when I was mm. like, let me be really intentional about sitting down with him right. and being a daughter and asking him daughter things and talking right. to him as a daughter. We definitely had that in the earlier stages of his right. illness. In the later stages of his illness, it was very... And even as I'm like counting down his breath, um, I remember at some point going taking a shower this child told me to the shower. So the girl, me, went and took his shower mm. And when I came out of the shower and I put on, you know, my clothes, my lotion, child, a little perfume, because my father likes nice perfume. <laughs> see, this is why the man, man wants to marry you, see? Look at you now. <laughs> I walked into the room and he was gone. Mm. And people said that to me. They were like, he's probably going to wait for not in the room. Mm. And I remember being like, and just be all up in my head about it. Mm. Not like my first thing was not to cry. My first thing was like, huh. What do I do? Oh, wow. Yeah. It happened. Wow. You know, and just being, and I went into the next room. Mm. I went into the dining room and I sat down and I picked up the phone because I was trying to think of who to call first. Right. That's when I started. You don't have me crying up here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're okay. You're okay. Um, yeah, that's when I start to cry. That's when it occurred to me. Oh, my father. Right. You know. Yeah. Not your, not your uh, uh, patient or the. Not my you patient, know. not my. You know, the nurses used to, to say to me, "Oh my gosh, you take such good care of your father." Like, you know, because I had like the Excel spreadsheet of mm -hmm, medication mm -hmm. and this and that and. This is his. This was his blood sugar at eight o'clock this morning. This is his blood sugar at twelve twenty-five. This was his blood sugar at six. You know, like very mm -hmm. like in my brain, like I am doing this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the emotion of it like came later. Later, definitely came later. So there are two phases in terms of emotion coming later. Yeah, because we th th this. And, and I'll point out that it was on your return from Africa, from Kenya, that I, that in the safari and the whole thing, and I've been seeing the pictures and just loving it, uh, that we got to talk a little bit. And I thought, ooh, this, there's, there's, there's layers to this, as we say, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So the, the work was done. The, as a the, the work you had taken on as a daughter was done. Yeah. And then you took your trip. And you then came back. And as you walk through that, I'm wondering, did you have an opportunity, like as the emotion hit you, as you made the call, 
Did you find yeah. yourself snapped back to the daughter side of things, or was there a transition over this time to like processing? Oh wow, like I went through all of that. Um, one, I just quickly will say that one of the things that I've learned about funerals is that part of the power of them is they yeah. give us all something to do. Okay. Right. So there's this, so yeah. there's this buffer region where we're like you said, right? Which casket, da da da. Oh, the suit. I got to get the. I remember running around town to find the right tie shirt combination when my father died. Like, respectfully, the man's dead. Like, just grab a tie and a shirt. But I was like, no, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we not, we not buried him in no questionable combination. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, so, details matter. Yeah. So I think we can be, and especially the types like us who tend to take control of things, we can consume ourselves with all yeah. that. But when that's gone, did you feel a vacuum? Did it? Oh, yeah. 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 Like how how'd that all work? Yeah. I mean, I you know how I I always say that Daddy like planned this very well because he died on June fifth, which gave me just enough time to finalize the thing for his mm -hmm. funeral, like mm -hmm. tie, shirt combination, um, mm -hmm. and uh, socks and underwear. He was like, mm -hmm. what, bring some underwear? I was like, underwear. Right. It's going to be flying and flopping in the... Uh, <laughs> Show up at the pearly gates like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we have a dress code in here and you are underdressed. Um yeah, I mean there was there was the flowers that were amazing. I don't know these people who say this blue of flowers. Uh-uh, not me. Mm -hmm. Send me all the flowers. I want all the flowers. Mm -hmm. I want all the fruit baskets. I want it all. I want mm -hmm. all the cards. I I kept all the cards, you no. know. I was doing, I think it's, I spent a good amount of time mm. in that week working on his obituary, which was very long mm. and very detailed in like a story. Like, mm -hmm. I did spend a lot of time doing that and I grieved all through that. And I do remember being very, uh, very uh, deliberate, intentional about pausing while I was mm. doing certain things and mm. asking myself, what are you feeling right now? Oh, I wow. did that often. And it was really good that I did it. I don't know where I got that from. I must have been something. It must have been some podcast <laughs> or somebody who told me to do yeah. that. I would just pause and say, oh, right now I feel really angry. Mm. Or right now I feel really, um... you know, I remember having moments where I felt angry. I remember having moments where I felt confused. I remember having moments when I felt lonely. Mm. And I think loneliness was the dominant. Yeah. The dominant thing. Now, as you describe that, <clears throat> first, it strikes me as incredibly healthy. It just does. fundamentally, yeah. right? Like yeah. to just yeah. be present, be present with what you're yeah. feeling, the whole yeah. deal. Yeah. Um. I guess I'm 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 wondering I'm wondering how that 
impacted how you were interacting with the people around you? Because my sense of it is you were, you know, running a show, but <laughs> then a funeral shows up, you know, like funerals, <laughs> whew, they can be some, they can be some dynamics. <laughs> okay. So, oh my goodness. So I'm well, wondering, did that help you with the dynamics? I was, mm -hmm. I was very, very isolated because we had done all the planning let's say four mm. weeks before mm. there wasn't a lot of stuff that i was doing so i was really like in my house mm. in front of this computer just like i am now working on his obituary yeah a friend of mine um took my daughters to get their outfits mm -hmm. gotcha child they showed up to that funeral. she used to be the fashion editor she was a oh, fashion so editor in new york so... for a long time so oh, okay. they came like i'm like this is like Tyra Banks does funeral. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I remember when we were walking into the funeral, people looked and they were just like, you know, because my daughters are like super tall, mm -hmm. you know, and they had these little black dresses on and some heels and, you know, no. I'm in the middle of that. And it was like, well, what's happening there? Wow. When they, it was like fashion week in Harlem, honey. It, it, worked, <laughs> it, it, it worked for them, didn't it? I get the sense. Of course. Uh, of course. Yeah, I get the sense. I get the you sense. Know, Laura was all about it. Too. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> um, Love it. So that she did that, you know. I mean, it. it, it but I did feel very isolated. And I felt very alone, mm -hmm. you know. And mm -hmm. the day after the funeral, mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I had another friend who was like, "What do you need?" I was like, "Well, I." Think we're supposed to, we need a repast. She found a place. So I didn't mm. do anything. I like, maybe I picked out the the, the food, you know, oh, wow. but it's all like, it was all like people came in. It was like, sh -sh -sh -sh. I didn't mm. feel really in charge of anything. I was really on my own. Mm. I was really allowed to process a lot of these feelings yeah. so that they wouldn't like build up on me. I remember being like, you know, my father had a second wife, John. I don't have many good things to say about. And I just remember being like, I know this woman ain't going to show up at this funeral. Mm. I know she's not going to come. I ain't going to worry about it because she's not going to come. Because there was a point in time when I told my sister, her child, like, you know, your mother did a lot of mess. So if I see her in the street, it's going to be a situation. On site. You know what I mean? I, it was very Cardi B. Like it's on I site. Love, on I don't site. care how old it's she is, real. her old ass will get beat up in the street. Right. Just so we're all clear. Like she can't say she didn't know. Can't say she didn't know. Right, right, right. But and I was like, but so when my father died, I was like, this woman ain't gonna come to the street. but she did. She walked in. I was at the door mm. greeting everybody. I was like the hostess. I woke up that morning, I was gonna wear this black dress, but I woke up that morning and I was like, oh. Daddy doesn't want me to wear black. Daddy doesn't want me to wear black. So I wore this like African print job. I was all, you know. Yeah. I got my hair done. You know how we all buy our hair. I got my hair colored and done, which actually I had gotten it colored. I had, I already had the appointment because I was going to. On your trip. Yeah, because I was going on the trip. Yeah, it wasn't until the next day mm -hmm. of after the funeral, my daughters went 
to spend the night with their grandmother because their cousins were there. So they had mm. their whole little cousin get together. Right. And I woke up and, and the um you know, the hospice had given us the bed, the oxygen machine, all of those things. They came mm. like the day after he died. Wow. And removed all of that stuff. Mm. Um but I got up in that morning I had rented a car because I wanted a really big car so that everybody could, a lot of people could get in it. I returned the car rental. There was a slight rain, a little drizzle that night, and it was Enterprise. So they offered to drive me home. You know, oh. call mm-hmm. Enterprise, we'll come pick you up. <laughs> um, but I was like, no, I'm going to walk. You know, I had my little umbrella and I walked home. Maybe that was a 15 minute walk, mm-hmm. a 20 minute walk. And it was just, so nice to just walk, you know. Mm. And when I was getting close to the house, I realized that I hadn't eaten anything. So I said, you know what? I'm going to stop at this little restaurant. I'm going to sit down by myself and have breakfast. I'm sure that I was teary-eyed. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. I'm an easy cry. But mm. I, I was teary-eyed walking. I sat down. I had breakfast. I, had, I was a little teary-eyed. And then I thought, oh, I need my malaria. So I walked. CVS. Now, mm. first of all, but, and then I came home. By this point, let's call it 1130. Okay. And I came in and I sat in the living room mm. and the entire apartment was stuck. Mm-hmm. There's not, I was like, why is it so quiet in here? And I realized the oxygen machine wasn't going the airflow for most of the, um, that wasn't going. I had an air filter in this room that had been turned off. So like all mm. of that ambient noise of illness and transition mm. was no longer there. And that was when I sat down and I was just like my entire life. Mm. Right. And I was very aware in that moment, the morning after the funeral, I was like, oh. Mm. Because for the previous three years, I got up in the morning, I went into the room to check on him, I went into the room to change his diaper, I went into the room to take his blood sugar, I went into the room to, like, I did, I had a checklist, first sure. thing in the morning checklist. So there's no, there was no way that I could be away from the house mm. until 11.30, like that actually did not exist because someone had to be responsible for my father. Morning ritual, mm-hmm. and then leading up into his lunch ritual, you know, and like I was like, I don't know. And was it a relief? Because I remember talking to you around that mm-hmm. time, asked me whether there was relief, and I don't know. It was kind of a relief mm-hmm. for him and for me, but it was also just like, what do I do with this time? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I fill this time? Because that time had been so filled with like the busy work, mm-hmm. had been so filled with playing this role, and now that role is not there. Yeah. And then you have to like sit with yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm and, and I can sit with myself. Oh, <laughs> but uh, agreed, agreed. <laughs> now, <laughs> now. Okay, so you had this time and you and you're sitting, you know, with yourself. Yeah. I, I guess I'm wondering And maybe four days later we left Africa. 
Okay. So actually, let's, so actually, that leads me right there. So you go, you leave for Africa, and this is this space in your life you probably anticipated needing to check in and all this stuff, and that's all now away. Right. You well, can I couldn't go. check in. That was part of it. Like when you go into the bush as a oh, Serengeti, right, 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 nothing. Right. Like, and I told my mother, like, if Daddy for whatever reason passes away while I'm away, y'all gonna have to put him up in the fridge. Don't tell me. Don't even try and call me. Don't try right. or email me because there's right. nothing I can do. I am literally in the bush. Right. You're flown into the bush. You're flown out of the bush. Right. So that's that. Yeah. So, okay. but, but it was still just like, you know, canceling. Uh, I, I remember the social worker calling. She's like, so I guess we don't need him to go into respite. And I was like, I guess not. So right. we can cancel. <laughs> we can cancel right. the ambulance coming to get him. That type of thing. But yeah, it was like four or five days later, I finished packing. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my good friends who went with me on the trip, her gift to me was to upgrade all of my international flights to business class. Come on now. Okay. Come on. It's a mess because now, you know, I'm too good for it all. <laughs> You're like, you expect me to do what? <laughs> So it's four days later, I buried my father. I'm in the airplane. When I was, when I went to England with my father, mm. I was 11, 12, 11. The stewardess, the flight attendant, mm-hmm. came down the aisle with that big old trolley. Mm. And she asked my father what he wanted to drink. Mm. And he said, tomato juice. Mm. And I looked at him like, you don't drink what? Like, I known my father my whole life at that point. I have mm-hmm. never seen the man drink anything called tomato juice. I've never seen my mother bring no tomato juice to the house. Like tomato what juice. What is happening, right? What right. is happening? And he ordered tomato juice. And I looked at him and he's like, yeah, this is what I order when I'm on the flight. And I was like, really? Okay. Right, right. Um, so here I get into, so you know, me and this luxury I'm sitting down, the woman hands me the menu, the paper menu job, like with the champagne. And, <laughs> and she's like, well, Love it. thank you, order. And she comes down, but no trolley, because it's business class. I don't know how she came down with the food, but she comes in. Magic. And the man sitting in front of me says, I'd like a tomato juice. With mm. salt and I was like, hi, daddy. Eh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 And those, I know, and you, you know, take your, you know, take your time. Um, But I'll say, (laughs) no, no, really, because I know, you know, like, I I sometimes share the story that, um, you know, my mom had passed away and I'm, you know, we're there, we're processing and I'm sitting in the room and my mother was notorious in the family. She'd call you about some random news story. Often she was the one knew this much about computers was always the one letting everybody know there was a new virus. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy, I I gotta go, mommy. (laughs) What are you talking about? Right? But she just was always the one that would call with these little stories. And she would call me with, you know, with silly stuff. And there was this this story about some people and they hit the number, but this one, just a silly little news story, local news. 
And when I tell you I fell apart in this room because I was like, she would have called me about this story. This is, story. this is exactly the kind of story she would have called with. And, you know, it was, you know, so as you describe that man ordering the tomato juice, I just. Um, with salt, yeah. pepper, and lemon. I mean, why? And I was like, huh. okay, daddy, I'm exactly where you want me to be. You're right here. Mm hmm. Now that I ordered salt, I ordered it too. You did? Oh, great. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. I ordered it too with salt, pepper, and lemon, which was an upgrade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what he had ordered. Yeah. So you. You, you have that experience and you just said you felt that he was there with you yeah. then. I have found that I'm more, I feel more in touch with the whole, I've said for years, I believe we are one and all sorts of ideas that go along with that. And in recent years, I felt more like I feel the presence, the energy of, of the folks who, you know, are, are close to me, but no longer with us, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering how much that has played out for you. You had that moment, but I get the sense as you describe it that that's sort of part of your life now. And I'm wondering how it shows up. How does, you know, your Oh, a million ways, in a million ways. One of the things, you know, in the Caribbean, especially in Montserrat, I'm sure, and the other islands, you you don't have your name. There's like the name you have on your birth certificate and it's the name everybody calls. Right, right, right. Right, and my father's name was Bo. B-U-L-B. Okay. And um, I had my uncle tell the story of how he got the name Paul. He okay. had told me, but he mm. told me a much more sanitized version of it. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the bottom line is that he, as a young man, I remember writing this in his obituary, and that's when I felt anger. Mm. As a young man, my father was very innovative, very ambitious, very forward thinking, always. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was born in 1938. So let's say this is the 1940s, the late 1940s, Montserrat. Nobody had electricity. You did not mm-hmm. have light inside your house. Right. Certainly no TV, nothing like that. And no electricity inside the house. But my father figured out, and he's like 12. Mm. He was young. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he figured this out, but he figured out that he could string a light bulb. So he got an old car engine, I believe. It was either mm. a car engine or a radio. And he fixed it up. So that he could run the current through there. But he could run, he could just do a light bulb. So wow. he did it with this light bulb. And so his house had light. Just one light bulb, right? I think it was a car engine. So mm-hmm. somebody apparently saw that this young man did this very ingenuous thing mm-hmm. and tried to replicate it and borrowed his light bulb. Oh. But when they gave him the light bulb back, he put it back on and it wouldn't light up. And he discovered that the, well, the bulb bust. So the bulb 
first. You know what? Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulb, but yeah, the bulb, yeah. Mm-hmm. Glow bulb. So his actual name was Glow bulb because he was like, he went after this guy. He said, you blow my bulb. You blow my bulb. I love it. I love it. I love it. Right? From right. that point forward, which got shortened to bulb. That's great. Maybe two days after he died. Three days after he died while I'm working on this story about bulb. Mm-hmm. The kitchen, my kitchen light bulb went out. <laughs> and you're like, okay, come on now. I did it at the time. I was just like, oh, for God's sake. Now I got to change this light oh, bulb. Oh, really? I had to go get me a chair. I had to yeah. <laughs> change the light bulb. Uh-huh. That one blew too. And when the second one blew, I was like, okay, daddy. Mm-hmm. You're here. Mm-hmm. I know you're here. You know, when I came back from Africa, your girl, Lauren, my oldest, it's a three-bedroom apartment. She comes to me. She was like, Mommy. Uh, no, this is before I went to Africa. She said, Mommy, mm. can we have a conversation? <laughs> said, I don't want to be insensitive. Oh, and I know that funny. you're grieving. I don't want to be insensitive. And I know that you're grieving. You just let me know. Uh-oh. At what point we can talk about me moving into your room and having my own room. Because <laughs> she was sharing a room with her sister. Right. She's like, things have shifted. <laughs> I just want to stick a pin in the room conversation. Right. right, right. Got it. I got At it, Lauren. When do we think we can start having this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love I was it. like, well, I'm going to Africa in four days. So right. <laughs> on the other side of that for sure, right? So on the other side of that, you know, we moved all the furniture around, we did all the stuff with the furniture. I painted Daddy's room. Hmm. I flipped things around. I got new curtains. I just, you know, now you walk in there and it's a whole different space. Yeah, and I moved yeah. into the room. I am a girl who you put me down to sleep, especially if you put me down to sleep the right way. I'm going to be asleep all night. <laughs> like, if there is a fire, that's that. Wake me up because right. I will die in the flames. Like, I ain't waking up enough, right? Right. I sleep through the night. I mean, I wake up at five in the morning just up and ready to oh, really? pack the world, but I don't wake up in the middle of the night. When I moved, first moved into daddy's room, which is now my room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would open my eyes, look at my watch, and it was two twenty-two. Hmm. And I'd be like, "Oh, that's weird." Well, let me try and go back to sleep. Hmm. And then the fourth time, and every time, like the next week, I woke up two twenty-two, hmm. and twice the next week two twenty-two, and I was like, "Okay, that's Daddy. That's Daddy too." He's just mm. like, hi, I'm still chilling. Because <laughs> 222 was an angel number. Oh. See, so you know, I mean, and I'm glad you're bringing up these experiences. I mean, cut you over. Just, I'm glad you're bringing up these experiences because one of the things I've been saying, experiences that folks have shared with me, um, I have a friend who lost their mom and was telling me about, you know, feeling some, just because we can't explain it don't mean it ain't so. 
I'm not saying I can explain what happened. I'm just saying if folk are having the experiences they're having, they're having those experiences. And there's really no negating that. Like, you can't, like, it's just bad as the experience they're having. And so I guess I'm, you know, as you point to, you know, 222 and and I'm that that sense of he's he's good. He's all right. How are you, how do you take that forward? Like, what's life been like since you talked about the time of you know the actual physical time like 11 30 is not your automatic starting point anymore what's that piece been like for you just been comforting you know the 222 the light bulb the tomato juice mm-hmm. all just like comfort it's i think i said earlier on in Conversation that the most dominant feeling I've had mm-hmm. when he died was lonely. Mm-hmm. And so all of these other indicators are like, you're not alone. Yeah. What are you trying to do? I'm not. I'm <laughs> but I wanted people to Barbara take- Walters is happening. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, uh, I wanted you to share. Because when we talked, I was like, "This is absolutely well." Also, we had spoken throughout, right? So over the yeah, years, yeah, yeah. as you were taking care of your father, I mean, it was just, and yeah, I yeah. kept telling you that I would, if if I, if someone said to me, "What what is a way you can know that the way you live was worth it?" Yeah. It would be to have a child care for and about me the way I watched you care for and about your fault. Like, truly, I, I and we talked about this at the time, right? I said to you, I was like, this is a this is like such a testimony to what this man, you know, meant means yeah, to you, yeah, meant yeah. to you and who you are. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. no, it's not that I, I enjoy watching my good friend cry, but I, I did want people <laughs> to, to, to experience this because it wasn't... Yeah. Um, you you did it out of love, but that that didn't make it easy. And um, I think more and, and more and people are doing it. Mm-hmm. I think more and more people are doing it. More and more people have the opportunity to do it. A million people told me to put him in a nursing home. Mm. Um, at the time that I would have put him in a nursing home was January 2019. And we all know what happened. I mean, sorry, January 2020. And we Oof. all know what happened. In March 2020, it would have wow. been he would have absolutely died in a nursing home by mm-hmm. himself, connected mm-hmm. to some breathing machine. I'm completely mm-hmm. sure of that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't regret it for five seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to imagine having made a different choice. I don't even know. I feel very lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we had that time, that intensive time together. Yeah, that's really I do. beautiful. I think that, as I said earlier on in this conversation, there are uh, there were stages where I was like, "Oh, I can't do this," and then any time mm. the situation presented itself, mm. that's what I did. Like mm. I just grew into being able certain things for him so it was very mm-hmm. much about for me it was very much about the spiritual growth yeah in the middle of it right i'm taking mm-hmm. care of him. 
but I'm actually also growing as a human being. In in that process. Um, in that process. So I I do want to ask about the trip itself because oh, I feel yeah. like you know we put we've given it the context and yes and yes but it yes, was also yes. amazing to see these pictures yeah. of you all sun kissed and just <laughs> I was like she yes. is just out there yes. living she living out there so yeah. T- so yeah tell us a little bit about that experience get to Africa can I just tell you I've been of Munstrasian heritage. I have never had this, like, I need to go to Africa. I've never had that. Right, right. Because my homeland, the motherland for me is Montserrat. Like, literally. Like, this is where my grandfather buried. This is where my great-grandfather buried. This is where my great-grandmother buried. Like, Mm -hmm. that's where my, that's my place. Right. That's, you know, multiple generations of my family from 1802 or something. Wow. You can trace back to that island so literally yeah the house you know this is the land where this person was this is the land that that you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i i never had the sense of like my foundation is this continent big you know? right which i think that big. you know there was a period of time when black americans you know when we were college i mean 10 years ago and right. we were wearing the onk you remember yeah, the yes oh and, and the black we medallions like, and yeah oh yeah oh yeah you know, I never, I didn't have that. Not that I didn't have an appreciation for Africa, but like Munster mm-hmm. is where I was from. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna tell you, when we landed in Munster, in, 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 first we landed in Ethiopia, then we landed uh, right, and we flew over, like, like, oh wow, I'm forgetting the name of this airport, but which where Kilimanjaro is. Okay. So half the people that were on our plane were going to hike Kilimanjaro. Oh wow. Um, we got off plane and I was like and we were ushered because you know we were ushered into this private check-in area um, and a woman said to me and it looked like Montserrat to me it looked hmm. just like Montserrat to me I was like oh this is like a small Montserrat airport boo-boo. like it just felt and I said oh this is like my home and she said oh are you South African hmm. and I was like no Mm. Oh, she's like you're built like a South African. (laughs) All right, South African have my body shape. Got it. Okay. So she's like, oh, you're built like a South African. (laughs) I like the hands though. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what she said. Yeah, because nowhere, no matter where we are in the diaspora, we really think we have the right to to (laughs) just describe. Oh my god! It was funny because we went to the marketplace while we were there, and the bats were really acting kind of weird. Mm. And I was like, everybody in Africa got a behind. Like, I don't got no special behind, but apparently, I don't have a Tanzanian behind. So I have this was so this was novel. In uh, it was in novel for them, child. I was like, well, you gonna give me a discount on this on this plant? <laughs> on this picture? <laughs> Love it. Love it. Anyway, <laughs> but when we got to when we landed in the bush in the Serengeti, mm-hmm. and immediately we started seeing animals. We got into this Jeep and it was elevated. So, like, there was mm-hmm. this row and then a little higher, second row, then a little higher, third row, right? Mm-hmm. 
and our driver was a man named James, young guy. We just started seeing the gazelles. We started seeing, we saw giraffes the first night on mm. our way to the camp. Mm. Pull up to the camp and James hops out and all these people who worked at the camp come running out to greet our Jeep. And they start singing in Swahili, baby. Oh, what? Right, you know, and like, it's basically like we welcome right. and then James is like he comes over and he got his drum so they're playing the music we're I going. started to cry I started to cry mm. they're playing the music mm. and it's so like oh we're, we're, we're here mm. we're actually here you know like that's when, like we'd spent the night in Arusha. That's where we were. We landed in Arusha. We'd spent okay. the night in Arusha. Again, it felt like I'm in some kind of Caribbean island. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we saw some monkeys, which was kind of interesting. Like, what's the monkeys? You know, mm. but it, it didn't feel like we returned someplace. Right. But right. once we got to, uh, once we got to the bush and they were singing in Swahili about welcoming us. I was like, wow, this is what it is. Like, we made it home. We made it home. We made it home. That's really... Well, it's funny, because as I was thinking about this conversation, it's really fascinating that you landed on that phrase there about making it home. Um, Because I was struck by the idea of your father's home going and your going home that just sort of like, as I was thinking about our conversation, that struck me. And yeah, I mean, so you you were there and you were welcomed. How much, yeah, I guess, because you were in a different place. So we sort of talked about what it was like to come back to your apartment where that was all whatever, but you were in a different place. How much of the processing was of that, of, yeah, all of it, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. It was like plain and flat and it felt like I was like one person Mm. or one dot in Mm. like an infinite plane. That's how it felt. And, and I felt so comforted by that. Mm. You know, I felt so soothed by that. Right. So like, it was literally like these drives. I was with my friends, my most cherished friends, and it was Mm -hmm. perfect to be there with them. And we would giggle and carry on and act out on the, on the bus. But we also were very meditative. It was a meditation. Mm. The whole ride was just like a meditation and calm and to feel yourself dissolve into some sort of infinite plane. Something bigger I know that sounds real woo-woo. You know, the older <laughs> I get, the more woo I get, if I'm honest. So don't 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 worry about it. But no, it's it's funny because you spoke to loneliness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then you went to this vast space and didn't feel lonely at all. Felt quite no. the opposite, right? No. Felt yeah. like I was one with all of it, you know? I love it. And then yeah. the lot, you know, the last day we were we hunted for the male line for a long time. Mm-hmm. We saw everything. We saw every single animal to the point where my friend Vicky, her husband, we sent him a picture. He was just like, uh, I'm looking at these pictures. Are y'all in a zoo? Like y'all, like y'all. How are you doing this? Love it. 
but the male lion, mm-hmm. you know, is very uh, evasive. You know, all he does is have sex and benefit and, from and... whatever else. It does. <laughs> yeah, and this is somewhere where he's supposed to be protecting, <laughs> but he, right? So we were like, oh, but the last day we saw the lion, and when I tell you. That it was two male lions. Mm. I said, Oh, this is a sign. Husband number three coming up. Must be. Because it's one lion. It was two lions. Right. Uh, James said that they were brothers. I was like, James, those are gay lovers. And <laughs> <laughs> but let you me know, not. You're going to get these, these four lions in trouble now. You like, you know. They live in their life. I was like, that's, uh, you know, Adam and Steve. That's, that's what that's funny. about, you know. That's funny. They were sleeping with each other. Mm-hmm. And one got up and walked away. And the other one was like, where my boy at? And came down with him. Mm. And then they walked off into the sunset together. But in the meantime, literally, they were like right here. Like, wow. they walked right past our van. Like, who cares? There's some Whatever. It was also amazing to be black women on this trip. Mm. Because, I mean, maybe because it was Tanzania, I do hear that people say Kenya is different, mm-hmm. but we didn't see nobody black. Really? The workers were all black, obviously. But, but the in drivers terms of were all was, black. But yeah. in terms of people who were on the trip, no. Mm. To the point where, so what happens is that this Jeep is driving along. This Jeep is driving along this way. The two of them stop and speak to each other in Swahili. Okay. I don't know what they're saying, but I would notice that the driver of the other van would be like, oh. like <laughs> <laughs> I don't recognize them. I don't recognize them, but and, and he'd be like, okay, James. Like, James got a whole car full of girls. Right? Really? Um. But I think they were also talking like, there's a lion over here, there's a hill over there, right? You could mm. see elephants behind this rock over here. Mm. So they were having that conversation. Did I tell you that the white people in the other van would be looking at us like they were looking at the safari? <laughs> Nuh-uh. Yes, they were. I'd be like, oh my God. They would just be like, oh. That's so fast. Like what? what? You know what I mean? You kind of go, well, yeah, anyway. And the same thing you're doing, but we were quite a... It was beautiful. The last night we were there, they sang us happy birthday. They gave us individual cakes Hmm. and they sang several songs to us. Stephanie's mother melted into tears. They sang the Tanzanian national anthem. Mm -hmm. Like it was just overwhelming. And now with it in your rear view, do you feel, I mean, obviously to be welcomed and to cry what you're describing about Stephanie's mom, I would imagine that there would be these moments. I mean, there's just so much built into, right? Um, do, do you feel it's impacted you since your return? It, it was a life-changing trip. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a life-affirming trip. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, you know, God help me. I love Black men. So <laughs> to be around all those black men who were so strong and healthy Mm. and about their work and interested in their different things and felt like, you know, it just felt like safe, you know? Mm. It felt very safe. It felt very, like we felt very embraced and taken care of. 
Um, and yeah, like all the guys were just, they treated us so well, you know, they would, and, and I, you know, my cousin was just like, Sharice, cause we're American. And I was like, no, mm. American, rich Americans who came on this trip. It right. was different. It was different. It was a different energy where they were just like, our sisters are here, mm. you know? It just really felt that way. So I don't know if I, I mean, I, I, I have to say I did bring it back because I brought back everything, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I lived through life just collecting, right? These experiences mm-hmm. to help me understand myself better. But it, all of it was comfort. All of it was the meditation. I, you know, we then went to Zanzibar and we saw the slave castles there marketplace there that was very uh gripping mm-hmm. we luxuriated hard John. we were like we 50 like it. do it we are luxuriating i did a cold plunge can i just tell this story yeah <laughs> so we had these beautiful uh our hotel rooms are like little tiny houses and out of each outside of each house was a cold plunge and each of us was like we're gonna do it we're gonna do it so I did my cold plunge and I set up a camera just so that I could like have a countdown right. of me doing it and just to prove myself that I did it. So I did it, I totally buck naked. I did the cold plunge and I came up, but you know, and then I took the pic, or oh, I thought I took the picture. Yes. And so I sent the picture to my cousin when I got back he was like, yes, so you might not want to share that picture. <laughs> Uh oh. I was like, why? Because apparently, like, if you held it down, you actually saw me jumping up and down. (laughs) (laughs) But it was freeing. I bet. (laughs) It was about freedom. (laughs) That was the birth of your OnlyFans account. And that's how it all came together. No. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It It was freeing, it was welcoming. It was felt very safe, very protective, yeah. uh, very taken care of. All of those things were absolutely what my father was to me. Mm. His whole trick in life was to indulge me. There was nothing that I could ask him that he wouldn't give me. There was mm. nothing that he wouldn't give me. Mm. Very protective, but also very safe. You know, mm. you could tell daddy anything. Can't tell mommy anything, John, because you're gonna get a whole bunch of conversation. That's but he was funny. always, Daddy. Like if I went and got my nails done, mm-hmm. Daddy, you got your nails done. He always would notice, you know. That's yeah. mm-hmm. one of those men. And then it was like, here I am, like being served food and being helped mm-hmm. into a gym and having my, you know, my luggage catch up. Doted. Yeah, I remember one point Stephanie was like, let's take our bags to the to the villa. And I was like, let's take our what to the where? <laughs> <laughs> you, mean, you must like, not know about me. <laughs> must not know about me. Or about this week, right? Yeah. And so I having come back, I will tell you, coming back, my daughters hate this, but mm. <laughs> they do kind of I'm like, your mother is now in her soft era. They were like, what, mommy? I'm like, I am in my soft era. Okay. What does that mean? It means that life, there is no struggle anymore. Mm. We're not hustling. 
we are sitting in expectation of all the good things that are coming to mm -hmm. us. We are, mm -hmm. we are going to really prioritize taking care of I. I'm going to prioritize taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. I am going to really enjoy this phase of reaping the benefits of the things that I have worked for, right? Because yeah. now I'm aligned, coming all the way back. Like now I'm where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that I don't have ambition, I do, but mm -hmm. it's a different way of expecting the good things to happen. And and the good things just keep happening, Orlando. I love it. I mean, hey, look over your shoulder. And and we did, uh, you know, you know, we did talk about this. <laughs> I mean, I think sometimes, of course. People, you know, we specifically said there's this shelf and the kids, it's a library. So it's amazing to-, to The to library. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. You know, you remember this book, Sadiqa's book, right? My wife, yeah. This is my, yeah, this is my, when you and I talked, she was just doing Love in a Carry-On Bag. Mm -hmm. This is her fourth book. This is her fourth book. This is her fifth book coming yes. out February 7th. I saw, yeah, I saw something about that, and yeah. Yeah, amazing. And now we're working on our sixth book. I just, you know? yeah, but I'm blown away. It's amazing. It's all sort of, and so now, you know, like you, you put in what the ten thousand hours in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I don't have work to do. I'm not saying that I work a lot. I do, but mm -hmm. now I have this feeling of like there's no desperation at all. I love that. There's love no that. desperation. There's no worry. There is receive all of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If it's for you, it's for you. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But you will always have enough. That's what it is when mm. I'm sitting there thinking, how am I going to pay for this trip? And I get a text the with exactly the amount of money to take this trip. Right. And a little more. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> right, right. It's just sort of like, oh, like everything is going to fall. Everything has fallen into place yeah. so that I can have this soft life. Because it wasn't a soft life when I was taking care of daddy. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, I have an injury in my shoulder from moving him. Oh, you wow. know, wow. It's very, very light. But like, mm -hmm. he was always very afraid to fall. So he would fight me if I'm trying to move him or anything. Mm -hmm. The other thing about him during his illness was that he was very, he retreated into childhood. That's a whole other conversation that we're not gonna start, but he retreated mm -hmm. into childhood. Interesting mm -hmm. how you were like, you were a daughter, but as his caretaker, I was also very much his mother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he would call me mother sometimes. Oh, he would wow. call me mama sometimes. Because of so the you level revert of care, that. The, mm -hmm. because of the level of care, but also because he had a very traumatic childhood. He had a mm. father who was very abusive, and it really haunted him his entire life. Mm. I think that's why he was such a super gentle father, super gentle father, because his father yeah. was a brute, right? Mm. And he, one of the things that I was, I became aware of while I was taking care of him, like his body would be very tight, you know? And I realized, you know, if we don't deal with our trauma now, mm. literally, like if we don't confront our anger, our fears, 
our, you know, our obsessions, you know, if we don't process that stuff, we, we meaning children of immigrants, I think black people, we are very much in this mode of like, grip it, hold mm-hmm. it in, mm-hmm. forward, that ain't it, boo. That ain't, it really. We can't, because it will literally paralyze our bodies. If it doesn't kill us, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. If it literally doesn't kill us, mm-hmm. it will paralyze our life. And there's like, my father was a physical manifestation of someone who didn't process things, who didn't forgive when he needed to forgive, mm. who didn't shout when he needed to shout, who didn't, who hid a lot of stuff, right? That really took over his body in the last three years, two years of his life. Right. And, you know, I have to really honor him mm. by not following that legacy, right? you know? Yeah. Forgive I, who I need to forgive. Love who I need to love. Let go who I need. Let go who I need to let that's go. So that's so real. That's so real. And not <laughs> and not my instinct in life. And even there have been times no. that I'm like, so-and-so needs to be let go. And to say it, it is work for me. I yeah. it's just not my it's work you know, to let it go. Yeah. It's work to let it go. It's work yeah. to let it go. But you know, we yeah. have to. It's like freeing our body, freeing our mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and just enjoy the fruits of that freedom. Like that's what Africa was. It was enjoying Mm -hmm. the fruit of a certain freedom that I have at this big 50 year age that I am. And I'll say it's when you say that about the the fruit, because as you were describing this, you know, soft um, space in life, I thought you, 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 you truly have earned it. I mean, you put the work in. I mean, it's not like you one day said, oh, I like books. I mean, you worked your way up and through publishing. You've been an editor in chief, right? Like, like this isn't just like, you know, um, you, you, you've really, uh, yeah, you, 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 you've earned your way to, to, to that moment. I mean, and don't we all have to recognize we've earned it? Don't we all have to recognize that? Don't we all have to pause and recognize it? I'm in the midst of a moment very similar to that to myself, so it's very interesting to yeah to to, to 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 bump into that. But yeah, maybe we have earned a little you know being a little nicer uh, to ourselves. I real I will share quickly that I realize I don't even need, I don't even fully know how to process when I've done enough work and I'm tired because I've spent my entire life ignoring that feeling. But yeah. I've spent the last couple of years just like learning that like, oh, I'm tired. Like, I never paid yeah. this any attention before. So, so it was sort of an irrelevant thing. And to, you know, so anyway, but I, I think that what you're describing is incredibly important that we not carry that legacy forward. And um, yeah, I've even talked yeah. to, my cousin is a, is a, a doctor, a psychiatrist, and, at this, and he did a whole study where he was like, a lot of the things that we blame on soul food or this or that, it's that, you know, black folks walking around with heightened cortisol levels for decades. I mean, at some point, your body just, we're not built to, to handle that kind of stress all the time. Um, so there's all that. The last piece, because, you know, you and I have done twice twice this long a conversation just because oh. we felt like it, right? Um, so I don't, I don't want to, but I do want to ask this, and it's, as life has it, 
I, I probably would have asked the more general version, but as life has it, um, I have a friend who in the time since we set up this interview, um, she lost her father. She, um, and this is like last day or two that I found out about this. And so, um, in a very similar way, had taken her father into her home. I mean, it's sort of wild to me that I got the news in this moment where I was thinking about our, our conversation. And I guess yeah. as you look back and you look back to the safari and you look back to writing the obituary and this time since, and you've been generating a certain level of success and taking care of yourself, is there anything that stands out to you that you would share that you would say, if I could whisper this into the ear of the woman who's standing in that bedroom and initially processing, oh, it happened. Um, yeah. yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, might you yeah. whisper? Um, I would encourage her to feel the feelings, to pause. Mm -hmm. to pause check in on herself right you know people check in on you check in on yourself mm -hmm. and just say what's what's happening right now so that you're aware of it because otherwise everything starts to blur mm -hmm. and i don't know i think i was so sad when daddy left mm -hmm. right but I think that I had to understand that my sadness had different characteristics at different times. Mm. And I had to feel when it was about anger and I had to feel when it was about resentment and I had to feel when it was about loneliness mm. in order to move through the sadness. I had to articulate the different things that I was feeling at a particular moment so that I could just sit there, recognize it. Mm. And then also significantly mm. realize <clears throat> that at two o'clock today, I felt angry about the fact that this was a man who was mm. so smart. He came to America with the, he, you know, he, he worked for the government in Montserrat. And when mm. he came to America, they wanted him to like stock groceries. Mm. Like what? You know, mm -hmm. so I had that moment in reviewing his life mm -hmm. that there were things that he could have done, could have been, and thinking about the different ways his life was circumscribed, right? Mm -hmm. Circumscribed. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, <clears throat> that his opportunities were narrowed, mm -hmm. not of his own making, right? So I had that moment. And then, so that was like two o'clock. And then at maybe six o'clock later in that evening, I had a memory of daddy taught me how to drive. And so I always maintain I'm the best driver that, you know, it's true. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and I had to be like, oh, so thankful that daddy taught me how to drive. I remember when I rented the car and I said, oh, I need a car that seats eight. And they gave me this whopper of a vehicle. I had never driven anything that big. Mm. And just as I was thinking that, I remembered my father saying, my daughter will know how to drive any vehicle in any weather. And I was like, okay. Okay. So at, at six o'clock, it was a memory mm -hmm. that I, that made me, that longed for, like I longed for him and that level of confidence that he had in me. Right. Mm -hmm. 
what's significant about that was that at two o'clock it was one feeling and at six o'clock it was another feeling but these were feelings that came up and transitioned came up and transitioned and i think that's what keeps you that's what moved me through the grief right right that i could recognize that this feeling of loneliness mm. is going to pass yep this feeling of thankfulness is mm. going to pass this feeling mm. of anger mm. is, going, is to going to pass mm. because i think that's when you know child i i never even went up to science hill when we were at school right so i know nothing about no science but i, I did take info psych <laughs> technology 101 but I, so i'm not talking like a psychiatrist or a therapist or anything i just know that feelings have to be recognized and part mm -hmm. of the value of recognizing a feeling is to know that it passes yes and everything I, passes and, and yes and i think to go in the other direction and resist i think is one of the places mm -hmm. where that phrase what resist what you resist persists I think it's nowhere more true than with those feelings. And without taking you down through a whole story in my own life, I've specifically had to do some work like over time about a feeling yeah. that I would be like, nope, nope, not opening the door. And so, you know, then, then a whole lot of huffing and puffing and never going away. Whereas when I finally learned to open the door it was very different um, in terms of my ability to allow it to happen. And as you say, pass on, transition to the next feeling, move, move forward. So I would say to your friend, like, job well done. You've done a great job. Mm -hmm. Done a great job. Uh, you will grow to recognize how much you have grown in the job, grown mm -hmm. from the job, mm -hmm. from the task, from the mission, from the whatever you want to call it, that you should try your best to feel everything as you're going through it and pause because there is a lot of busy work to be done right. but pause in these feelings so that you're working through something not pushing it away yeah um and and to look for all of those signs that your loved one is sending you my dear tomato juice <laughs> 222 whatever it is for you i will share that my okay, father bulbs going out in the in the kitchen when you ain't trying to change no light okay. bulb Okay, <laughs> but for me it's three twenty four. Yeah, but I do, I do. My father's birthday is was is March twenty fourth, and I see three twenty four at some very interesting moments, and I it's the same kind of deal where I go, all right, okay, okay, I heard you, and I'm on the right path, right? Like I'm on the right path, or mm -hmm. you're right here with me. I don't need to worry. That I'm where I'm too. supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. that. So, you know, always big hug, big hug. I'm a huge fan. Um, we will be on the lookout. You want to tell folks, you know, what, what, what books they should be on the lookout for or what they should be downloading this and looking book for? First, this book first. The House February of Eve. 7th. It's so good. It is about two women, in, Black women in 1950s D.C., all right, the House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson, and uh, yes, we will uh, we will be on the lookout. And thank you so be much. On the thank, thank you so you, my much. Love. I'm glad that we got a chance to do it. 
I know, <laughs> I know. We've been threatening for a while. So I put out my good red lip for you, so you I know. Love it. Okay now. Okay Somebody now. Besides to like call you and say, but is she single? Is she cute? You know, Listen, don't hesitate. Don't don't hesitate. <laughs> you know, I I don't know if I can handle that kind of volume. I, I just have a regular old phone situation. I don't, you know, I don't have operators oh, standing by. Please, please. <laughs> All right, my dear. We'll talk soon. Bye. Y'all know what time it is. It's time to walk the line. I was struck, deeply impacted, listening to Sharice's story and really thinking about the love, the care that she showed day in, day out, to have that morning routine to lift and to clean and to cook and to care. Notice I didn't tell you to tell somebody you love them. I said, show somebody you love them. For some people, it might be to do something for them. For some people, it might be to give them a gift that really shows you were thinking about them when they weren't there. For some people, maybe it's a back rub or a foot rub. Make sure you know those people before you do that. Show somebody you love them. And one way you can show this community that you love them is join the conversation at wealign.alignp.com. We're upgrading and revising some things. We're going to have the Align Circle really take off this year. Uh, we can You can follow us on Facebook. We have our Facebook page. We're thinking about creating a Facebook group. So do me a favor. If you if you would like to see a Facebook group, why don't you comment on our Facebook page? We may even try to put a poll up or something like that. But let us know that you'd like to see a Facebook group where maybe we could house some of these conversations that uh, we're all that we're playing with over at We Align. Most of all, I want you to understand that when you're showing love. That is a cheat code to getting unstuck. We'll talk more about that some other time. But for now, you already know that we gonna get unstuck. We gonna be unstuck. We gonna live unstuck. Unstuck as fuck. Walk the line.